Hi there, I'm Janet Quinlan, and this is Finding Joy in Motherhood, the podcast for women who are looking for practical tools and words of encouragement to create an orderly, joyful, faith and virtue-driven home. I'll share tips to create mindset shifts that change the way you discipline your children, love your husband, and enjoy your day. This podcast is about coaching women to be the best woman God is calling her to be. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to episode number 162, 10 Ways to Damage Your Marriage. So I think you notice a trend in my podcast episodes that I generally like to speak about things we can do to improve, and I don't often talk about what we're doing that is really damaging either our relationship with our our husband or our relationship with our children, or even, in fact, our relationship with ourself. But in this episode, uh, I wanted to really highlight 10 things that I can see. Probably they're not the only things, but these are 10 things that I really notice that people do that really can damage their marriage. All right, here we go. Number one, making anything and everything else more important than your relationship with your spouse. And this includes your own selfishness, wanting what you want, making it a priority over what your husband may need or want. It includes phones, always being on the phone, having the phone around, letting your conversations be interrupted by a phone, a message that comes in, um, just, you know, checking it all the time. Sometimes we put friends ahead of our husband. We talk about Susie Q as our best friend. Really? Our best friend should be our husband. And if we don't feel that way, then we haven't invested enough with our best friend, our husband. Sometimes we have girlfriend weekends away or just girls night out, which are fine unless we're not doing that first with our husband. And if we're not, then we're putting friends and talking with them and getting together and really nurturing intimacy with our friends ahead of our husband. Sometimes we put family members ahead of our husband. And this is a problem if a mother or a father uh, doesn't align with our spouse. We have to be very careful that we don't take sides with our family of origin but that we remember that our spouse is first. And if our spouse says, I don't want to go over to your mom's today, then maybe we don't go over to our mom's today. We really consider our spouse first before whatever commitment or obligation or just desire we might have in interacting with our parents and our family members. And the last part is not making intimacy a conscious part of our relationship. When we don't do that, we put other things ahead of our relationship with our spouse. So if you follow me on Instagram at Janet Quinlan Coaching, you'll find that in February, each day I have done uh, a marriage tip. And one of them was scheduling intimacy. Now, I know that seems kind of off to some people. It's like, shouldn't we just be in the mood? Or, you know, I just need to let it happen when it happens. But when we do it that way, 
Often we're not in the mood because we're so focused on what we're doing in the day and we just don't schedule it. And so it doesn't happen. But really having a close relationship with our spouse requires, if possible, intimacy, physical intimacy with our spouse. So when we don't schedule it, when we don't make it a priority, basically, is what I'm saying, then we are putting other things ahead of a very important part of our relationship with our spouse. As a woman, and we have the children's needs, maybe we work outside the home, we have the home needs, we're looking at all the things that we feel are urgent, that must get done. And we don't see intimacy as something that's urgent. We're like, yeah, I'll get to that later. But when we schedule it, then we can start thinking about it and anticipating it. And our mood will soften and look forward to it rather than, oh gosh, this is another thing I have to do today. All right. Number two, when you don't take care of yourself, you damage your marriage. You lose respect for yourself, and when you don't respect yourself, your spouse will lose respect for you. And you will feel terrible. You will probably feel ugly or not worthy or unkempt or not fully alive because actually you're not. When you don't shower and you don't brush your teeth and you don't do your hair and maybe put on a little bit of makeup, not because you're trying to hide something or make yourself look good, but because the act of putting a little makeup on just feels good and makes us feel good. So take care of yourself. Dress well. Do your hair. Take care of your body. Eat well. Exercise. And listen, when I was young with all those young children, I didn't do this. And you know what happened? I started having low self-esteem. I started worrying about my husband at work because there were a lot of young women. My husband's a handsome man. And there were a lot of young women at work who didn't have the morals and values that I had. And they were not shy about um, reaching out to my husband. And I knew that. And so then when I wasn't taking care of myself... I allowed all that insecurity to develop. When you don't take care of yourself, you nurture low self-esteem and you can create that atmosphere of insecurity and jealousy, which can eat away at the foundation of your union with your spouse. The third way that we can damage our marriage is focusing on our spouse's flaws. Now you may notice that all of these are for our husbands as well. So if you have a husband who's willing to listen to this, have him listen to this because he needs to take care of himself and he needs to put you before other things in his life. All right. So this is not just for you women. It's for everyone. So number three, focusing on your spouse's flaws. When you focus on your spouse's flaws, you have a critical spirit. You're always seeing what you look for. Do you know that? You see what your mind searches for. So if you you know his flaws, you will always see them more than you will see his gifts and his talents. So be very careful about focusing on his flaws. 
He will have flaws. So do you. And when we get to the place where we're so focused on his flaws, we don't apologize. And we don't admit we're wrong. We're so focused on how he's wrong that we don't admit when we're wrong. So let go of the critical spirit. Let go of his flaws. Turn your brain to see the gifts. Number four, treating your spouse with disrespect. Now, these are in no particular order, but honestly, this probably should be number one. When we speak poorly to our spouse with disrespect, we are not treating them like the child of God they are. We are not treating them as our equal, and they are. When people belittle or berate their spouse, it's kind of a form of abuse. It's a power thing. It's, I want you to know I'm better than you. How do you think that feels on the spouse's end? And if you're a spouse who is belittled or berated or spoken to disrespectfully, you need to create a boundary. You need to say to your spouse, when you speak to me like that, I will walk away because I will not allow you to disrespect me. This is very important. So do not speak to your spouse with disrespect and Make sure that if you're spoken to that way, you create a boundary. No one in any marriage should be treated with disrespect. Another way that we disrespect our spouse is when we don't honor commitments. When we say we're going to do something and we don't do it. Or we keep secrets. Secrets are so damaging to relationships. Sometimes we kind of excuse the secret by saying, well, we just have different ways of doing things, so I'm just not going to tell him. No, you need to come to a compromise. You, You need to understand, you know, what the both of you agree in important things, what the both of you agree to, and what you you'll both agree to your actions. Keeping secrets indicates you know your spouse would disapprove, but you do it anyway. Another form of disrespect is having intimate relationships with the opposite sex. Now, your brain probably went to, oh, I'm not having an affair. But when we have intimate relationships, in other words, when we speak intimately or we share about our lives with someone of the opposite sex, or we develop friendships that are exclusive to just the two of us, maybe we go to lunch with a member of the opposite sex uh, and we just share about our life. That is a form of disrespect to our spouse. It can also be perceived as a form of infidelity, that we are seeking and nurturing an intimate relationship with someone other than our spouse, our husband, our wife. And the last form of disrespect I want to talk about is using power and control to manipulate. As women, we have very sharp tongue. And we know what to say in order to hurt our husband. We have to be very careful about our words. You can't take your words back. Once they're said, they're locked in our spouse's brain. And if you're a man and you're listening to this, be very careful that you don't utilize your strength of manhood to intimidate your wife. Number five, giving into your self-pleasure. This includes any kind of addiction. 
whether it's pornography, eating, watching TV, excessive watching TV, going out with friends without your husband, whatever it is, even if it's just the phone, where we're constantly checking the phone, it's constantly on, and it's nurturing, you know, a form of self-pleasure within us. Self-pleasure is a form of selfishness when it's to the extreme. And all addictions are to the extreme. So we have to be very careful that we seek pleasure in our spouse and not in anything else. Okay, number six, I'm going to repeat it again. It was part of number four in disrespect, but it is separate and it should be repeated again. Being dishonest. Whether we're keeping secrets from our spouse or we're not quite telling the whole truth, whether we're engaging in activity that it just wouldn't go over well with our spouse. We have to be honest. And if we're in a place where our spouse says, hey, what's wrong? And we say nothing, that's being dishonest. And I was someone who said nothing. Rather than saying nothing, say, you know, I'm working through something right now and just give me some time and then we can come and I can talk about it. And if your wife asks you, does this look good? Ask her, do you want me to tell you the truth (laughs) or do you want me to tell you I love you? And sometimes she'll say, tell me you love me. (laughs) And sometimes she'll say, no, tell me the truth. Tell her the truth lovingly. No, you look really fat in that is not a good way (laughs) to be honest. But say, you know, I don't think that flatters you. That's a good way to be honest. Number seven, poor communication skills. Communication skills is a lifelong learning lesson, okay? We don't learn how to communicate with our spouse when the ring goes on our finger. It is a long lesson, and we have to be uh, open to learning the lesson. Here are ways in which we communicate poorly that really can damage our marriage. I spoke about disrespecting. Uh, when we curse, I know words are just words, but words are filled with disrespect or demeaning words. So don't curse. Don't name call, especially in your marriage. Another poor communication skill is when we're not listening to our spouse or when we're listening, but we have all kinds of judgment and preconceived opinions. So we're not really listening to them. We're not listening with an open heart and an open mind. Poor communication skills of nagging. Women, stop nagging. (laughs) It does not get you anywhere. In fact, your husband's probably tuning it out. So at the end of a day, when you two are reunited, don't start your time together with complaining. Don't vomit all over him everything that happened with the kids or whatever happened at work. Just hold it, put it in a little compartment, put it away, and say, okay, maybe if it's really important that I tell him about that later, I will. But right now, hi, how are you? How are you feeling? Tell me about your day without complaining to him about yours. You're an adult. He's an adult. You guys can fix your own problems without complaining to someone else. Another poor communication skill is having you never statements instead of just making requests. 
You never watch the kids. You never clean up after dinner. You never help me. How about just asking him, hey, could you go give the kids a bath? And if he doesn't get up and do it right away, say again, I'm wondering if you could go take the kids now. Make requests rather than you never statements. And then the last part of communication skills, and actually I could do probably a whole course on communication skills, but the last little thing I want to talk about is not having basic manners in the way you speak to your spouse, not saying please and thank you and you're welcome, and looking at your spouse when he's speaking and maybe asking him to look at you while you're speaking if it's a habit you guys have gotten out of, but really giving him your time of day, right? We say, you're not giving me the time of day. So give him the time. Number eight, holding unrealistic expectations. Yeah, your spouse is not perfect and neither are you. We have this idea that when we get married, we're marrying perfection. Probably we were both on our best behavior (laughs) before we got married And then after marriage, something happens and all of a sudden it's like the scales fall from our eyes and we see all the flaws or all the things that annoy us about our spouse. We're like, wait, where did, where did this come from? They were there. (laughs) So your spouse is not perfect and neither are you. Let go of unrealistic expectations and never threaten divorce and don't consider it as an option. As soon as you crack that door open, then anything that bugs you about him will open the door a little further. Don't do it. If you are living the sacrament of marriage, you can work it out. You can avail yourself to the grace of the sacrament and also to your firm commitment to growth, to acceptance, and to just real, sacrificial, unconditional love. The last part about holding unrealistic expectations is don't make your partner responsible for your happiness or your unhappiness. Now, if you are in a marriage that is struggling, if you have uh, addictions that you're dealing with, or infidelity, or maybe just behavior from your spouse that is unpleasant, not what you like, not what you want. I'm not suggesting that you should just be, you know, rainbows and unicorns, but you can still be happy and satisfied while he's working through those things. And you can set boundaries, but his behavior um, will create feelings of maybe anger or sadness but it doesn't mean that you can't be happy. I know that's hard to understand, especially if you're in the middle of, you know, an an issue. But when you set your emotional, basically when you give your emotional energy, your emotional control over to your spouse, then whatever they do, you will either feel happy or unhappy. I'm suggesting be responsible for your own emotions. And sometimes you're going to decide 
I'm unhappy. I'm angry because of what I think about what he did. Other times, you're going to go through those emotions, but then you're going to get to the place where you say, okay, but I don't want to be unhappy and angry. I want to be nurturing and loving and forgiving. And I want to make sure that my children have a home where I don't make them unhappy because of my reactions to my husband. It's what we think that creates our feelings. So you can still, you know, not accept and not be happy about infidelities or addictions or behavior. You can still have an idea about that, but you can also move it to, but how do I move forward? How do I remain happy as a child of God? How do I have faith that we're going to move through this and continue to keep our family intact? And that can be for simple things like your husband didn't take out the trash and you get angry about it. Oh, I'm so angry. Why are you angry? Because my husband says he'll take out the trash and he never does. Okay, don't be angry. Either take the trash out yourself or just ask him again. When it's more complicated about addictions and maybe infidelities, it's a work through. And just FYI, if you're someone who is unhappy because of addictions or infidelity in your marriage, you can reach out to me at JanetQuinlan.com and schedule a free consult and I can help you learn how to not let his behavior dictate whether you're happy or not. Okay, that was quite a tangent. So number nine, not enough physical touch, focus time, communication time. So this is kind of a catch-all. It's about showing gratitude. It's about touching. It's about hugging and kissing hello and goodbye. It's about spending time looking at each other and talking and showing appreciation. So it's all of that kind of wrapped up into one of just not, maybe it's attentive to details. So number nine, (laughs) not being attentive to the details of your marriage. And number 10, when you don't forgive, that really damages your relationship. When you hold on to resentments, when you keep score about who's right and who's wrong, and when you know that you're always right and you never apologize. So first of all, no one is ever always right. And often, if not all the time, conflicts involve two people being right and wrong. And when we don't apologize for our part, whether it was because we were the responsible for the beginning of the disagreement or the argument, or in the middle when we said something that we shouldn't have said or the way we acted, or at the end, when we were just unwilling to forgive. You're not always right. Often, we're always right and wrong, and we always need to apologize. Even for just the conflict itself. I'm sorry that happened, and I'm sorry for my part in it. Okay, those are the 10 big things that I think damage a marriage. If you have a sister or a friend who you think might like to hear about how to make 
their marriage and their motherhood better, please share this podcast. And I would love if you would share on social media, take a, take a screenshot of the podcast um, and share on social media. Please tag me. My goal is to reach as many women as possible, many women as possible, to help them have the marriage and motherhood that they long for and that they were created for. And I cannot do it on my own. I need you all to help spread the word. And for those of you who have, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. When I get the stats back in for the podcast episode downloads, and I see how this podcast is growing throughout the world, oh my gosh, it's, I feel like the first Christians in spreading Christianity, we're spreading the importance of marriage and motherhood. And don't for a minute forget how important family is to society. And as women, we are entrusted with that heart of the family and we can make a huge difference. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great week. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Bye. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, leave a review, and share with friends. Thank you. Have a great week.